Captain, are you really going to let this idealistic young man humiliate himself by siding with you? Hmm? Have you no decency, Lorca? Actually, that was a trick question. I know you don't. We both know you lost that with your last command. What's he talking about? The tragic tale of the USS Buran. It was ambushed about a month into the war. The Klingons boarded it and blasted it into smithereens. Only one crewman managed to escape. Gabriel Lorca. Apparently, the honorable captain was too good to go down with his ship. That's only half right. We were ambushed and I did escape. But I didn't let my crew die. I blew them up. I knew what awaited them on Kronos. Degradation. Torture. Slow. Public death. It's a Klingon way to spread terror. Not my crew. Not on my watch. They say confession is good for the soul. Too bad none of us have one anymore. Welcome to Simply Syndicated's Discovery After Show, your place for a detailed analysis of each episode of Star Trek Discovery. Now here are your hosts, Sean Ray and Rick Tatro. Hello everyone and welcome to Simply Syndicated's Discovery After Show. My name is Sean Ray and tonight we're going to be talking about the fifth episode of the first season of Star Trek Discovery, which was titled Choose Your Pain. And was written by Gretchen J. Berg, Aaron Harberts, and Kent Powers. And was directed by Lee Rose. And with me tonight is the co-host with the most, Rick. Welcome back, sir. This is so fucking cool. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, guys. How you doing? <laughs> I, knew, I knew somebody was going to say it. <laughs> and my Cosmic Potato co-host, John Irons. How are you, sir? I do well. <laughs> and if you've listened to our other two shows, uh, Cosmic Potato and The Prime Direction, then you'll remember uh, our guest tonight, co-host of the World War G podcast and creator of Celebrity Tens on YouTube, Mr. Troy Wood. How are you, sir? I'm good. And I just want to let you all know you are not setting off my threat ganglia. So we're good. <laughs> good to know. <laughs> hey, uh, Troy, is today your birthday? No, today is not my birthday. Okay, Skype is telling me that it's your birthday today. Oh, awesome. <laughs> so happy Skype birthday. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and I didn't get you anything. So That's okay. Um, episode 5, Choose Your Pain. So we'll, we'll we'll spend some time just talking in general without spoilers before we get into the, the spoilery section of the show. So guess what happened last night, guys? Michael Burnham disobeyed orders. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. So in, in continuity, uh, according to uh, Memory Alpha, 
this episode takes place three weeks after episode four. Yeah. And and it said it's the first time that Paul Stamets was referred to as the chief engineer. I didn't remember that. I, I thought they called him the chief engineer in episode three, but I may be wrong. But uh, so general overview, what did you guys think of uh, episode five, uh, Troy? Um, I, I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I, I like that we got a lot more of Captain Lorca. Um, I like the introduction of Rain Wilson. Um, I, I, th- I thought he played, uh, Harry Mudd. I thought he played that as kind of a little weasel, weaselly type of guy. And yeah. yeah. And yeah, I, I, I liked it. Yeah, I thought, of course, I say this every week, but I think every week the episode is better than the week before. So it's mm-hmm. like it's like every episode is the best episode. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. So, uh, Rick, what did you think? Uh, I very much enjoyed it. Uh, there were some surprising things to me uh, that occurred uh, that I'll save for once we get into the, the more detailed discussion. But overall, I liked it. Uh, the the only problem I'm having with the series in general is that, and and this isn't the first episode that's done this, they seem to have pacing issues right about the middle of the episode for some reason. Uh, I had the same problem with, um, oh, and I can't remember the title now, where they first, they, they went on board the Glen. Uh, you know, right when it was, it should have been the most exciting when the tardigrade was chasing Burnham, something in the editing or, or something, it just sort of kind of slowed down for me. And then it, then it picked up again. And I, I kind of got a similar feeling in this episode where the, the, I think they're still finding their way to, to, to find the flow of the show. Um, but overall I really liked it. Uh, and I really can't say much more without spoiling. So. Yeah, it's kind of like they they they've got things going on. Like they they've got what's going on on one ship, they got what's going on on another ship, and one of those storylines has got some action going on, and the other side doesn't. And when they kind of go back and forth, it kind of loses a little bit of flow, I guess. Yeah. So, John, what do you think? It's good. <laughs> <laughs> Although, <laughs> um, I I did like it. Um, I would say that this. Um, was the first episode where, you know, I don't like the whole, they don't look like Klingons, the whole, why is this, why is this, the continuity, 10 years, shouldn't look like this, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I don't, I'm not gonna say I don't care, but I kind of don't care about any of that. As long as, as long as you're like consistent within your universe, within your own show, I'm gonna generally cut you a lot of slack. Um, because we, as we've all pointed out, you know, Star Trek always does this, you know, that when they, when they do a new series, they change a bunch of stuff and it's just fine. Um, but there were a few things in this episode that, um, did not like I'm, I'm calling shenanigans on, (laughs) (laughs) which again, as you say, we will, we will discuss when we get into spoilers, but just overall, um, you know they've they've they they continue to impress. It's a good show. That's the only uh, real news story that I could come at, that I could come up with for this week is that they released a statement saying all of the non-canon issues that you're having are all going to be resolved. Uh, they didn't say they'll all be resolved by the end of the season, 
They just yeah, said yeah. they'll all be resolved eventually or, or something. So there's still going to be people that if, if the season ends and it's not all resolved, they're still going to be on Facebook. Why, 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 why? Click, 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 click. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're promising that, you know, it's going to happen eventually. You're going to, it's all going to make sense, but you know, there's, there's going to be those, those, uh, those people out there that aren't going to give it a chance. And if, well, I'll, uh, all of this has happened before, and all of this will happen. Yeah, again. yeah. You know, I'm one of the biggest canon snobs out there. Uh, you know, and not ne- not not voluntarily. I've talked about this on the Starbase from time to time. I would love to be able to read the novels and enjoy the novels, uh, comic books, uh, fan productions, with the with the exception of Star Trek Continues. I would love to be able to just sit back and enjoy all that stuff for what it is, but. Uh, ever since I was a kid and I came across my, my dad got me some of those gold key comics that made no freaking sense whatsoever. If you tried to plug them into any sort of continuity with the show yeah. and they, I, I wasted so many brain cycles trying to figure out what the hell they were supposed to be. And it's just, it's the way I'm wired. I, you know, if it's not quote unquote official, then I don't care how good it is. I can't enjoy it. Uh, and I've been able to unclench with Discovery because the writing has been so good. The acting has been so good. They finally pushed me a little too far on this episode with one (laughs) relatively minor but still big nitpick for me. And it's a hardware issue, and I know I'm a hardware geek. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Um, You know, we'll, we'll... I'll save it until we're, we're talking spoilers again. But if they just hadn't said one thing, I'd have been fine. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and move into that part of the show. So, John, do you have a, uh, a plot summary for us? Um, yeah. <laughs> Make <I> one do. <laughs> up. <laughs> episode, no, no, I got it. It's, it's very short. Episode five. Um, Burnham wasn't in this episode very much. Uh, Lorca is captured by the Klingons, and Saru commands the ship as they attempt to rescue him. Meanwhile, the spore drive continues to take its toll on the tardigrade just when they need it most, and the crew has to figure out a workaround to get into and out of Klingon space with a busted S-drive. Um, I tried to make a pun with tardigrade and carburetor, like a busted carburetor, but I, <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't make it work. But I bet if I was Michael Burnham, I could have made it work. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, we also meet Harry Mudd and Lieutenant Ash Tyler, uh, a POW, uh, who are serving time with Lorca in Klingon jail. Uh, yeah, that's my summary. That's my non-spoiler summary. Oh, maybe they escaped. Maybe they don't. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> who the, can say? You, you mentioned that Michael wasn't in the episode a lot. Michael, I mean, Michael was in the episode a lot last week, but she was kind of like I'm like I mentioned before. She was kind of delegated to just stay in the science space. So, what's up with saying this is going to be our main character, but we're not going to use her a whole lot for these yeah. well, for these two I, episodes? I, I yeah, I have thoughts <laughs> on that. <laughs> I'm I, I'm I'm fine with it. I like uh, kind of seeing more of the other crew and and seeing more of of uh, Saru and and kind of what his thought processes are. And, and I, I'm liking Captain Lorca more and more every episode. I think he's really cool in a very creepy way. Yeah. Oh yeah. Lorca's Lorca is a very deep. Well, uh, yes, I'm really looking forward to finding out what his game is. Yeah. I'm starting, I'm starting to warm up to him a little more because the first, the first 
couple of episodes I really wanted to like him, but I didn't really trust him. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I kept having the feeling that he's going to turn out to be the bad guy. He's going to be the bad guy, but, you know. See, I never, I never wanted to like him. I, did, I didn't want... <laughs> I didn't want to dislike him. I yeah. just like he he I'm I guess I'm I'm viewing everybody as kind of like interesting ingredients in this yeah. in this in this mix of a show. So I don't particularly favor one or the other as long as their particular flavor is is interesting to me. Um like like obviously like Tilly and Lorca are nothing alike, but I like them probably both about the same. Yeah. Um is still my favorite though. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I like Lor- – like I wouldn't want to hang out with Captain Lorca, but Jason Isaac's performance of Lorca is totally captivating. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So I um, I had a, I had a thought on this. Not on, this isn't really a spoiler. This isn't a spoiler. Well, we're in, um, the, we're in the spoiler section anyway, so go for it. <laughs> fucking A. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all get one tonight, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, – Last night it really and and it's I think it's kind of been needling at me like the whole time, but um, it became clear to me like the whole this doesn't feel like Star Trek this doesn't feel like Star Trek it's not because it's darker or at least for me it's not because it's darker it's because in every Star Trek series there is one scene during the uh, during the pilot or during the premiere where they go through and they introduce everybody on the bridge. Yeah. This is so-and-so, he's your so-and-so. This is so-and-so, she's doing this. This is so-and-so, this is doing that. And they might have to like, you know, kind of go around the station, if it's DS9, or go around the ship or whatever. But you basically, you get introduced to all of the major characters, usually within the first episode or two. Yeah. And this show issues that completely. You know Burnham because you knew him on the last one. You know Saru because you know him on the last one. You know Tilly. You're you're and you're introduced to two or three people on Discovery. Um, but there are people on the bridge that he is giving orders to. You that have not. You have no idea who they are. You don't know what they do. You don't know what race they are. And I think that's what it is. There's this. You know, at the beginning of the episode. Uh, well, actually, I think it was before we started recording. There was the awkward Skype introduction between <laughs> between Rick and Troy. Yeah. There, but at least there was some introduction, and you're like, okay, like you know, like you want somebody to welcome you into the home, even if they don't look you in the eye and they just kind of step aside when they open the door. You, it's it's something, and I think that this show hasn't done that. People still kind of feel apart from it is you know what i'm saying like you haven't you haven't really been invited in because you haven't been introduced is this the first time that we've seen uh the doctor in this series has he appeared before we've seen the doctor um the past couple of episodes oh okay it's it's the first time that the relationship is revealed yeah it's the second time we saw him because the first time we saw him was when he was fixing stamets's broken nose oh that's right that's right okay yeah, and they but they didn't they they didn't say anything about being in a relationship. If you had not read the stuff that we that we read on the first episode of this podcast, if you had not read the stuff that said that Stamets was going to be openly gay and he was going to be in a relationship with the doctor and all of that, you wouldn't know that until this episode. And I I kind of like that. You know, because I, we, yeah. we were talking yeah. about in the in that episode we were talking about how we were kind of afraid that 
his homosexuality was going to be such a big part of his character because we've seen that happen on so many shows before that they want to make like a mascot or whatever. But no, I mean, they, they made his character first. He's just, he's a regular guy. And then at the end of this episode, you know, we just see that part of his personal life. We just see, you know, two dudes brushing their teeth. (laughs) (laughs) With space toothbrushes, space toothbrushes, sonic, (laughs) sonic toothbrushes or whatever. Yeah. Subsonic, I believe. John, I, I, I have to disagree with you on on that point. In fact, that's one of the reasons I like this series so much. And it's it's just a pre- you know I'm not saying you're wrong. It's just a preference thing. One of the things that drives me crazy with new series and new pilots is the okay we've got to introduce everybody to you now. I mean, go try to watch Encounter at Farpoint again. <laughs> no. And do it without cutting yeah. your wrists. No thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know um, what? I I was inspired to watch. Um, oh, you know what it was? I started, and I don't want to go too deep down this rabbit hole, but I started to watch um, The Orville on Thursday. I'm like, all right, I'm going to give you another chance. Um, I'm not going to say anything. I, I promise it, to behave this it, week. I made it about halfway <laughs> through that episode. That episode, just to me, was... I mean, we're getting, I, we're I, gonna I have to... No, no, no. I'm, I'm, let me get to my point. Cause yeah, I, cause... okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, we always end up talking but, about the Orville on this show. <laughs> but but it, it, it inspired me to watch um, Deep Space Nine. Um, because uh, they look so much like Jim Hanar. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even get that far in the episode, honestly. <laughs> I, I, I saw where the episode was going and what they were going to do. I'm like, you know what? I'm good. Yeah. Uh, let me watch. Uh, let me watch my favorite show, my favorite Star Trek show. Anyway, um, so yeah, so even on Deep Space Nine, they did it, and they did it in a way that was different. And and I'm gonna um, disagree with your disagreement, Rick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because I wasn't necessarily saying that I wanted that. I wasn't necessarily saying that they need to do that in a Star Trek show. Again, oh, I like nice. I like what they're doing. I like the way they're doing it. But in terms of like the the, the almost kind of visceral reaction to this doesn't feel right, um, assuming that it's not just because the Klingons look different or whatever, I think that might be part of it. Like okay. the, this doesn't feel like Star Trek. I think that might be what people are talking about. It doesn't feel like it because and I, and I am like I do really want to know what's up with the, <laughs> like there's some interesting looking characters on their bridge. I would like to know. Uh, I'd like to know more about them. If you look up, I'm I'm assuming that you're you're mostly talking about the uh, the 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 robot looking woman. There's a robot looking. There's there's like a insect looking yeah <laughs> guy or that, girl or it's, that gal that looks like she stepped off of Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah. She's and just I, listed as an augmented alien. I need yeah. to need yeah, to she's read not a, she's not a robot she's more like a cyborg I think. Yeah. Well there's see that's what I'm saying like there's and they don't even like they'll just do like a quick cut. You yeah. know. Yeah. And so I kind of I kind of like that. I, I like that we're having to get to know these characters in a more organic way instead of getting their full dossier dropped on the desk in front of us. I mean that's fine but um I'm just going to bring it back around to the Orville. In the Orville, uh, he like that's that's really all it was. It's like they lined them up. This is so and so. 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 And then that was that was that. I, I would be fine, and I and I guess I some part of me maybe expected that. Okay, well she's new to the ship. You know, eventually she's going to be joining like the major crew. 
since it's her show, we presume. Um, and they'll introduce, you know, they'll introduce her to everybody. And that hasn't happened. And again, it doesn't necessarily bother me. Um, I, honestly, it bothers me more that I don't know who the cool looking characters are. <laughs> like, I would be fine if we just like followed them into their quarters or whatever, or or, or watched them in the break room. That's that's. I just really want to know more about the cool looking characters. Well, every Star well, Trek show, ha- I mean, every pilot through from the next generation forward has had a formula. You know, we we're gonna we're gonna have a we're gonna show you some of our stories, some of the plot for this episode. Then we're going to spend the next 45 minutes introducing you to all these characters. And then the second hour of the show, we're going to finish out the plot. Right. And, and and that happened on every series up until now. And then with this series, your first two episodes are on a ship that's destroyed <laughs> at the end <laughs> of the second episode. So really, the pilot is episode three. <laughs> yeah. So, right. yeah. So, yeah. So they're taking that formula and they're just saying, no, we're going to do something, you know, we're on, we're not on television. We're on, uh, on the internet. We're going to do our own thing. And, uh, I mean, for the most part, I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. There's characters in the background that I would like to know more about, but I'm just assuming that we're going to find out more about them eventually. See, I don't well, know that unless they unless they <laughs> kill them before <laughs> before they introduce them to it. or or unless they're not that important. One of the things I I'm True. really yeah. appreciating about the show is they said, you know, one of the the quote unquote revolutionary things about Discovery is that the captain and the first you know the bridge crew are not the focus of this show. Michael Burnham is our is the focus of the show. She's not even she she doesn't even have a rank right now, and while we're not totally seeing these episodes through her eyes. Uh, I've heard some people complaining about, you know, only one, you know, it's only being shown through the eyes of this lesser. And no, it's not because we followed Lorca. We've seen Saru. It isn't sticking strictly with with Burnham's point of view. Half of it is is what's happening on the Klingon ship. Yeah, and, and that's cool, too. I just I kind of appreciate the fact that I'm sure that there were numerous writing sessions where they went, you know what? we're right back to doing everything on the bridge and, and Burnham's not even on the bridge. We need to focus more on what's going on in the other parts of the ship. We've got five series that take place. Probably 90% of them are on the bridge of their ships. Uh, this show, that's not the focus. The bridge is just someplace they go to if they need to, to show something important that's going on up there. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, it's refreshing. It's great. You know, cause when, when Voyager came out, uh, they kept they touted it as a return to form, and while I there's a lot of good that came out of Voyager, there was a lot of boring that came out of Voyager too. <laughs> and then when Enterprise came out and they said it was going to be a prequel, and it was like, all right, don't like the prequel, but hey, here's a chance to go. Oh no, you're doing the same thing again. So here they're they're changing it up, and it's it's great, I think. Yeah, um, the gal, IMDb has her listed as uh, Keela Detmer. Um, who I believe was on the other ship. She was, with, yeah, with Burnham and uh, 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 so, 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 yeah. They oh, her, her and Burnham haven't even spoken yet, and I think that's really interesting because you know eventually they're gonna have an interaction, but they're waiting in their and they're, you know, it's not the focus, and I think I find it really interesting. I think it's great. Yeah, because you know, she she doesn't trust she doesn't trust Michael. You can tell by the way she looked yeah. at her when she came on the yeah. Discovery. Yeah, 
Yeah, I'm I'm fine with that too. I just I just really want to know more about the cool characters. That's really all it is. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I, and I like the um, you know, you said like we didn't know that uh, the the engineer was gay. I mean, we wouldn't have known, I should say, that the engineer was gay just from watching the episode. Um, my wife is watching this. Uh, she's, she's watching it as well, usually with me. Um, but she watches it, or, or rather, I watch it with her. Like usually, I'll watch it first, and then when she can watch it, I'll watch it again with her. And she has not; she didn't even know the show was coming out. So it is it is wonderful to watch it with someone who's not, you know, paying attention to all the behind the scenes, yeah, you know, prequely trailery, um, spoilery stuff. Especially because she called it. <laughs> like, like <laughs> I, she, like when when she was fixing, uh, when when uh, when the doctor was fixing his nose, I think she, I can't remember exactly what she said, but she basically she called um, that at least one of them was gay and flirting with the other, and she's like, I think they're flirting with each other. I think are they are they. <laughs> well, I have to I have to point out uh I was going to save it for the listener feedback uh section, but uh Alice Graham who is a frequent listener to uh Simply Syndicate. I think she's been on Starbase 66 quite a lot, she, right? She, well, she's she's one of our co-hosts, yeah. Yeah, okay. And it was, she she wrote on the uh Facebook page uh that she liked this episode more because something actually happened. She said, I totally called the doctor being gay, but he's much too good for Whitey McWhiteface. (laughs) (laughs) I really wish you didn't say that when I was taking a drink. (laughs) (laughs) So let's uh, let's dig into the episode a little bit. So as we kind of mentioned in the last episode, we thought that Michael was going to be kind of concerned with the well-being of the tardigrade. Because obviously, whatever they're doing to him when they have to use him to activate the spore drive does not feel very pleasant to him. <laughs> no. He's uh, he's screaming and then she she's having a dream that that it's her and she's screaming in pain and uh, and and then uh we cut over to Lorca having a meeting with the admiral that I can't remember her name but she played in uh, Cornwell. Yeah, okay. Yeah, she I was going to say she played in uh, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. <laughs> but uh so uh <laughs> well, she did. She did. I believe you. I just... And uh and then he, uh, on his way back to the Discovery, he's taken by the Klingons. So, obviously, they were sitting there waiting for him to get back on his transport, and they were cloaked or whatever, and they grabbed him and took him No, back they weren't to cloaked. Ship. They, those, they weren't? those ships don't have cloaks. Okay, at, well. At this point in time, only Vox ship, ship, well, now Cole's ship, right. uh, has, has a cloak. Well, um, and we cut back. After, after, he's, after he's taken, they cut back to the Discovery... And of course, uh, Saru is on the bridge, and he's trying to organize everybody to to figure out a way to get the captain back. And he has to kind of shoo Burnham back off the <laughs> back off the bridge. <laughs> what are you doing on the bridge? Get off the bridge! And uh, basically gives her an order because she's saying, "Hey, we've got to do something about the tardigrade because if we keep using the spore drive, it's gonna. I think it's gonna kill him." And he's saying, "No, don't do anything until the captain gets back. We've got to get the captain first. So then he uh, pulls up a list, which I was kind of confused as to why he had to do this, but he pulls up a list of the most decorated captains in Starfleet. And, that was uh, total fan service. That's yeah, why he it, did it. it was. Because, because <laughs> oh, yeah. If, if it worked on list, me. Yeah, it was. <laughs> me too. I had a moment. <laughs> yeah. 
if it it's five names, and I, I I'm not a set designer or anything like that. But if I was going to put up five names, I would put up at least one of them that would be a name that we've never heard of before. <laughs> I, I I have to agree with you, but it was still five awesome names. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So the names, the names captains were, ever. Yeah, you got uh, Robert April, who was the original captain of the Enterprise before uh, Pike, and uh, he was in the animated series episode the counter the counter clock incident. You got yep. Jonathan Archer, who was captain of the original Enterprise from uh, Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, you got Matthew Decker, who was the commanding officer of the Constellation in the original series episode, The Doomsday Machine, one of their more famous episodes. Philippa uh, Georgiou. By William Wyndham. Yeah, and uh, we know who Georgiou was. We've met her before. And then, of Georgia. course, uh, Georgiou. Whatever. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> She's dead now. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, Christopher Pike. Who, of course, was the captain of the Enterprise from the Cage and the Menagerie, and uh, but and yeah, should actually be out there on the Enterprise, contemporary with Discovery. Yeah, I feel, because... I feel like the fix is in. Like basically, if you're as long as you get like a spot on the Enterprise, you're just golden. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Not those other ships. The Cage, <laughs> uh, the Cage takes place two years before the Vulcan Hello, so Pike is in command of the Enterprise out there somewhere with Spock and number one yeah. and all that. So, Okay, yep. so uh, so Lorca wakes up on the Klingon ship and Harry Mudd's there. And Harry Mudd starts monologuing within two seconds <laughs> of Lorca waking up. Because he says, uh, Lorca says something like, what's a guy like you doing on... What's a guy like you doing on a ship like this or something like that? And Mud, <laughs> Mud goes into this long story about how he got there and all that kind of stuff. So what? It, okay, so not just <laughs> not just the introduction of the character, but I want to get. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Hang on. Be- before we get into Mud, okay. Let me just get this off my chest. Okay. Okay. It's the one thing that this show has done that pushed finally pushed a button. <clears throat> when Lorca was captured. By a Klingon ship, they they said flat out, "This is a Klingon D seven battle cruiser." That was not a fucking Klingon D seven battle cruiser. <laughs> if they had called it anything else or just said a Klingon ship, I'd have been fine. I you know the Klingon ships that we've seen so far look very different to anything we've ever seen a Klingon flying, and I'm I've sat back and went, "All right." That's cool. The writers have said, well, they'll explain it. I'm, I'm, I'm in the, the, the Federation ships that there, there's differences in them that bug me too, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not complaining too much because they haven't brought out a ship with square nacelles and called it a constitution class. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> Matt Jeffries designed a gorgeous Klingon D seven fucking battle cruiser. And that was not it. <laughs> All right. Who called it? Who called it a D seven battle cruiser? The computer did. The they analyzed computer? it. the the shuttle The shuttle said it was a Klingon D seven battle cruiser. The the Federation one, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so maybe, maybe, they maybe stole their record. Their their records were out of date or inaccurate I, because no one's really seen the Klingons in a long time. I, I have kind of thought of that. Tried <laughs> tried to plug it not, in. Not not working for you. <laughs> not working for me. No. <laughs> that might be the best I get. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Rick. I even went. I even watched the episode <laughs> twice last night, and I'm like. Trying to get a look at, I'm like, is there any way this could look a little bit? No, not even close. Sorry. 
Well, Sorry. if they completely redesigned the Klingons, <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's... I know, I know. I hate myself for this sometimes. <laughs> so uh, I, just, I just wanted to get you guys uh, to give a little bit of feedback as to what you thought of Rain Wilson's performance as Harry Mudd. Um, I know, Rick, you were kind of, you had some trepidation. I don't, I don't think you, you really know about a lot about rain wilson i think he's kind of probably been off your radar for the most yeah he's the most part i i I never watched the he was in the office right yeah yeah yes yeah and i i never watched the show um i was totally stunned by how much i enjoyed his performance last night uh i you know i loved harry mudd as a kid yeah uh and then in the in the intervening years as I realized how unbelievably misogynistic the character was back in the sixties, uh, I kind of soured on the character. So when they announced that they were going to be bringing Harry Mudd into this, I was very, as you said, I had a lot of trepidation about it. Uh, I love the fact that the lovable has been taken out of the rogue. He was just an asshole and he (laughs) played it beautifully. Uh, I am totally down with having Harry Mudd in this show. Yeah. And I mean, when I heard, uh, okay, Harry Mudd's going to be on the show. Oh, they're already doing fan service, and the show hasn't even started yet. But then, when they said Rain Wilson's going to play him, I, I thought, you know what? I think I think that would work because he. I mean, yeah, he's he was on The Office, but he's done some movies too. He was in uh, what was the name of that movie, The Rocker, I think, and he was in Super and some other stuff, some really dark comedies. And and well, and, uh, he he had a series on Fox for about half a season where he played. This is just an asshole. The cop show, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember the, what the name I, of it was. I don't remember it either, but yeah. And it was Google it's to the those, rescue. It's one of those shows that's it's, it's a good show, but it just I don't know if it was on a bad night or whatever. It didn't take off. Well, it was on Fox. <laughs> there you go, Troy. <laughs> <laughs> sure, what, what did you think? Um, I mean, I'm I'm familiar with with Rain Wilson. I've I've seen a lot of stuff that he's that he's done, and he's a really good actor i think really underrated actor and he you know he he played him as a as a slime ball you know as kind of a as kind of a con man is the way he played it it led me to believe that that whole story that he told about a lost love and everything probably isn't even true (laughs) um and he just you know he he almost stole the scenes that he was in um he he made Harry Mudd that you know I, I'm familiar with the character, but he made him really interesting and really intriguing, and I look forward to seeing him in future episodes. Yeah, he's supposed to be yeah. in at least. I think he's going to be in at least two more episodes this season. But but I'm I don't know. They I mean they said Georgia was going to be in fifteen episodes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's not right. Yeah. But uh, well. They also did a really good job of making it believable that Mud would be there because when uh, – now this gets into the really nerdy stuff that this episode did. And one of the reasons I'm loving the show is how diligent the writers are because when – later on when the Discovery is narrowing down where the ship might be, one of the systems is the Ophiaca system. Um, also, it's one of the it, – um, uh, Lorca mentions that they broke up a, a, a or won a battle there 
or, or oh man, now I'm getting confused. Uh, anyway, <laughs> the Ophiuchus system is mentioned, and that is one of the systems where Mud pulled a con on a couple of miners with some fake Vulcan patents. So we're in the same area of space. Did you yeah. watch the the After Trek show? Yes, I yes I did. Yeah, they <laughs> yeah they they go over all of the. Or I think a bunch of, if not all of those. They, yeah, the, well, the other one, the one they didn't mention was the Mempa section, sector, which is where uh, Kern's fleet is waiting in redemption when uh, when uh, to decide whether to go against her or back Galron. Yeah, I think that this this version of Mud uh, could definitely become the other version within ten years. I mean, it, I mean, it, it, it's a very believable progression. That he would become that character. Ten years later. Yeah. So you know who he reminded me of was was uh, um, Heath Ledger's Joker, where his story <laughs> changes every time he tells it. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I, I actually thought the exact same thing. That's funny. <laughs> What'd you think, John? Um, I I agree with you guys. I I, I enjoyed the performance. Um, I actually rewatched today. At work, don't tell anybody. I rewatched <laughs> um, the the Harry Mud episodes of the original series, um, just for my own edification. And it, yeah, it, it was uh, it was enjoyable. And everything you said about um, him being a misogynist and a horrible person is correct. Um, but the, the 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 scampy, lovable rogue, and it also it, it reminded me that. Um, you know, people kind of romanticize. Well, not everybody, but some people romanticize uh, the the original crew. Kirk was kind of a dick a lot. <laughs> like, and and this oh, there's no conflict between crew members. I no, they argued all the time. They argued all the time. So you know, again, just you know, everyone clutching the pearls and catching the vapors because people are yelling <laughs> at each other. Just it's not like you know. Know your history, yeah. <laughs> but um, about um, uh, about mud, I so one of the things I said that I'm going to call shenanigans. It does not make I'm I'm calling shenanigans on them leaving him on the ship. There is no they had aside from the fact that um, they had just everyone in there had just admitted to doing horrible things. Everybody in that room. I did this terrible thing because I felt like I needed to do it. I did this terrible thing because I felt like I needed to do it. He doesn't get a pass because he was a snitch. Really? <laughs> really? That's the problem for you? Mr. My, I just I just pulled the life sentence mutineer because I thought they might be useful. You but, don't think, you know, you don't think somebody's working both sides of the – yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I was going to say. I don't have to say it. You know what I was going to say. Know, I know. I know, but I'm Kirk, just, I'm like, Kirk or Picard would have saved Mud. Lorca was totally in character for him to leave him behind. I don't know. I don't know, I, and and that's why. Uh, I mean, I guess technically, again, I guess it's in character because that's what he did. Yeah. But it, I was I was kind of clapping <laughs> when he hit him in the face. I was, yes, yeah. I'm, I just <laughs> like here's the thing. He blew up his own ship. He blew up his crew members. Because he didn't want to leave them in the hands of being of Klingon prisoners, right. and but he leaves this guy that he met yeah. for one day. Like what he, I I just I don't know. Like if he had if they had tried to escape and he had sold them out like during the escape, 
then yeah. But because you were like you let them spy on you, I I I don't know. I don't know. And and maybe maybe it goes to show uh maybe it's more about showing the kind of character that Lorca is, I guess. But uh, See, and I, I I enjoyed that because it showed that you know these guys particularly Lorca, they they're not they're not heroes. You know, they're not He's not a Picard. He's not a, a a Kirk or or a Cisco. You know this. This is a guy that he he's out almost for himself at this point. You know he's uh, and it's it's almost refreshing to me to see a Starfleet captain who is willing to to blow up his own ship, blow up his own crew. You know, and it's. I don't know. I mean, like you said, and I agree. I think it was totally in character for him. I I liked it. Well, there was a an interesting discussion I was hearing on uh, on one of the other Discovery podcasts. There's like four billion of them right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, given that this is the first new Star Trek series in the age of the internet, it's not surprising. But they were talking about Lorca, and it was it got me thinking. What was Lorca doing before the war? Because obviously he does not care for the bucolic lifestyle of the Federation. He even sneers about it the first time he's talking to uh, to Burnham when he's giving his family history about the fortune cookies, and then he starts talking about the you know end of want and need and desire, and you can hear the the uh, disdain in his voice for that. Mm. So he's loving this war. And yeah, he, he almost talk. He almost talks like he's been at war for a lot longer than the war's been going on. He talks. I know. Like he, he talks like yeah. he's been at war for years, and this war's only been going on for about seven months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, what was he doing beforehand? What yeah. kind of well, what kind of officer was he? Being a dick. Before? Yeah. <laughs> are we, Just are all, we all over the place? Are we all pretty much on the same page that this is like the origin of Section Thirty One or whatever it is? I so, thought that's where they were going. I'm not so sure anymore. I'm not either. Well, I mean, I don't know. There has always been a need for somebody to do things off the books. Like even even in the golden age of the Federation, you know, there's still covert ops. And I think that's the guy that they put in charge of the top secret stealth vessel. I think I think I think he's always been a soldier, even if there wasn't a war. And I think now he's in his element, which is more all the more reason why he would say "fuck you" to Harry Mudd. Yeah, <laughs> I just talked myself into it. All right. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. So uh, you know what? I'm just going to do a list of things that I had a problem with. Is everybody okay with that? <laughs> Go for all it. Right. So all right. So I'm, I'm, I'm uh, I retract my my Harry Mudd statement. Um. So he he shot at the uh, uh, Laurel. Is that her name? Yeah, Laurel. Yeah. yeah, he shot at Laurel. He, he's, he's vaporizing Klingons left and right. Uh, he shoots at her. It hits like the 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 wall basically, and she gets like the splashback shrapnel and that burns her face. And he leaves her writhing in pain. Why wouldn't he just shoot her? Okay, she's writhing in pain. Who? Uh, which but one that I'm means she's gonna was get that, up later. Was that well, Lorca that shot her, or was that? Yeah. Uh, yes. The other guy. Okay. Yeah. Because there's a there's a theory floating around out there that uh, Ash Tyler is actually Vok in disguise. 
Yeah, so that's that's, that's why I was sure. asking if he if he was doing <laughs> yeah yeah I don't yeah it it doesn't work for me either but it's it's inter- it would it would have been interesting if he was the one that shot her because he would have shot her with a non lethal lethal a non lethal a non lethal <laughs> shot hunting quingons yeah <laughs> and uh but it's just the the phaser blast just started burning her face and just kept burning her face and kept burning her face but I. Uh, See, again, just be consistent. Like, if you're the guy who's going to leave Harry Mudd in the cell, you're yeah. not going to leave, like, a big enemy alive. You hate the Klingon so again, much, but you're not going to kill. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I get well, what you're yeah. All right. Well, then, then why? Okay. If we're going to go down that road of the why can't the stormtrooper shoot the guy, uh, <laughs> how many. But, but see, but he shot everybody else. That's the thing. Yeah, but, but how many. shot at them. I'd be okay with it. But but look at how ter- what terrible shots the Klingons are. They were like running down the middle of corridors and the Klingons were like jumping around car- corners going Rawr! and then shooting a bulkhead and then getting vaporized. Yeah, uh, I also kind of had a problem with the fight. <laughs> the film, but I'm, I'm, I'm letting that, the, the Star Trek fight, the Star Trek rules. Uh, yeah, that's that, that was one thing I noticed. People <laughs> saying this is not Star Trek. This was one of the most Star Trek episodes in this series so far because everything was wrapped up in 42 minutes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and, and it was, they got out of that cell really easily because, mm-hmm. I mean... If you're if you're guarding prisoners and you go into the cell, you close the door behind you. <laughs> you don't stand there with the door open so that when they end up breaking your neck, they just walk out. <laughs> so, so if if it turns out that um, the 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 guy is like undercover, does that escape make more sense? You're gonna you're gonna does that? If Ash is a spy, across? yeah, yeah, it absolutely would. It absolutely would because it would mean that the Klingons. I guess they would have had to have sacrificed some of their soldiers, but they let him go for a reason, you right. know, because they want Tyler to get over to the discovery to hijack the spore drive or something like that. You know, I'm just, I'm guessing. Sure. But, uh, okay. Let's know, talk about, go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, my other two are little, I, I, I can get over it. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about, uh, one of the big things from last night. So, uh, Michael Burnham disobeyed orders. Saru told her, don't worry about the tardigrade until Lorca gets back. She says, okay. And then she immediately goes to Stamets and said, hey, we got to do something about the tardigrade. The tardigrade's going to die. And then um, Tilly drops an F-bomb. The first F-bomb ever on Star Trek. <laughs> so I wanted to get some feedback from you guys. I've, I've, I've talked to some people online about what they thought about that. What, how did you feel about hearing... An F bomb dropped in the middle of a Star Trek episode. Well, I, I, I mean, I, I kind of posted this on 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 the Facebook page. Uh, you know, it, Picard swore. You know, obviously yeah. it was it was C, CBS, yeah, CBS yeah. swears and stuff. <laughs> um, and so for me, it was so like, Kirk, yeah. by the way, he called Kirk called somebody a jackass. That's yeah. true. A double and dumbass so, on you. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> And, and so, you know, I'm sure that the the, the F bomb has been floating out there in in space in the 24th century. I'm sure they still have it. And I was I was it was refreshing to me, actually. Well, I mean, it's not the first time that we've heard a swear in Star Trek because, I mean, obviously, right. Data swore when they crashed the Enterprise, <laughs> right? But uh, for comedic effect and everything, but the 
that hard of a of a swear you don't know of course i mean the show is ready tvma so we we knew that there was a possibility going in that something like that was going to eventually come out and my feeling was that uh it didn't i mean it didn't bother me but i at the same time because i laughed when it happened uh, and and it fit her <laughs> character it fit her character for something like that to slip out and and she didn't mean for it to happen and but at the same time i was like but I hope they don't make that a habit. I hope that's not something that's going to start happening happening a lot. Yeah. Because I don't think they will. Yeah. Although, be, let me point something out to you, uh, and then I'll tell you my my opinion slash story about that particular bit of dialogue. Did anyone notice when Ash said shit last night? I did. Yeah. I did notice because a lot of people had had when uh, whoever uh, oh when Burnham said shit a couple of episodes ago. Oh. Oh my god they're ruining yeah, they, star trek someone <laughs> said shit and nobody noticed the second time it happened so if the, when, when did if, he say it when uh when when he realized that Lorca was a captain in the cell he's like shit a captain sorry oh yeah right um and i didn't catch it till the second time i watched it uh i noticed it and i barely noticed it when michael did it in her episode because she said it so quickly and there was so much going on in the scene that it slipped by me the first time. I actually had to rewind the scene because when she started quoting Alice in Wonderland, I didn't know what she was saying. So I backed it up to turn on the closed <laughs> captioning. And that's when I saw that she said that. Yeah. So, oh, hey, she said something else. Now, as, as, as far as that scene goes, um, there are inherent risks to being a podcaster about something like that in that I, I don't feel I have the right to utterly avoid spoilers because I need to be prepared to talk to y'all folks who can avoid spoilers so that, you know, we do it so you don't have to kind of thing. Um, and on another group I'm, I'm a part of on Facebook, uh, someone mentioned that they're supposed that it, and it was in one of those, this is why discovery is ruining star Trek kind of discussions. Uh, and they're even going to drop an F bomb. And I'm like, that's really a news story. Seriously. Uh, and so I, just to find out what they were talking about, I did a quick Google search, and an article came up in one of a dozen because nobody's got anything better to do, I guess, than scan the freaking doc uh, dialogue and see what other horrible <laughs> things they're going to do. And so that scene was transcribed verbatim, and I read it and was like, "All right, so." But uh -huh. so when it happened, instead of me being able to enjoy the laugh, it was just, "Oh, there it is." Um, I do feel the scene was a little clunky. Uh, I, I, I feel like the situation they were in was a little more dot was, was a little too dire for that sort of lighthearted fuck. Yeah. Banter that they were having. Um, that was my only problem with, it. I don't care what they say. You know, th this is, this is 2017 people. Uh, and, and to be perfectly honest, when Kirk in uh, City on the Edge of Forever called up to the ship and said, let's get the hell out of here, that was as uh, astonishing to people then as an F-bomb is now. So this is not unprecedented in Star Trek in any way. And as you guys mentioned, Data saying, oh shit, when the ship, when the ship went down or to hell with our orders, all of that stuff. Star Trek has always pushed the envelope on things. And one of the things Star Trek has always been called to task for was not being realistic enough. That's why all of my complaints about Section 31, and I'm not going to start that crap now, um, 
are shouted down by people saying it's it's more realistic that way. Star Trek was never meant to be realistic, but something where how many times have you been watching an episode of any given science fiction show uh, with the exception of like Battlestar Galactica or Firefly, where they just made up their own swears where people should be cursing a blue streak and everyone's like, oh, golly, gosh, gee, darn it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah. these yeah. these guys are in the military. I mean, there's a reason right. that the phrase swearing like a sailor exists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's just how they talk. Yeah. And it, they're I mean, they're in the they're in the right medium for it because they're not on television. They're on the Internet. And and the show is rated TVMA, you know. So um, I, I kind of harken back to uh, Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad was allowed to drop the f bomb one time per season, you know, because they were on cable and they were on cable at like ten o'clock at night. So they were allowed to do stuff that that, that you couldn't do on ABC at six o'clock on Sunday night. <laughs> I think you know? Walking Dead has that same rule. Yeah, yeah. So so you can do that one time. Which I mean, if they if if they do it one time per season, you know, I'm be fine. I would be fine with that. I'm just, I don't want to start seeing it like every third episode we're dropping this because it just, it, it almost feels like, um, like the first time that you hear your dad say a, say a <laughs> word. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't have a problem with it, but I, I agree. I don't, I don't want it. You know, I don't want my Star Trek to turn into the Sopranos. No, you know, no, no, no. Like as, as long as, and I don't even I, I, I don't have um, the issue that you had, Rick, because because it because she didn't say it in a lighthearted way, but she said it exactly as that character would say it. This is fucking cool because she's like that. So I, I was I was fine with it. If if Burnham actually Burnham would would have fit actually that would have fit for any three of those characters. <laughs> the only person it wouldn't have fit for is if Saru said it. I'm like no no, pretty much anybody else on that ship would make sense. I buy it. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, the only the only other thing that I would have changed is maybe at the beginning of the episode, put something up that says this episode may contain language or something because a lot of people tune in to Star Trek, they're not expecting to see that, and there were some people that were that were offended, you know. So and and they're they they shouldn't be, but at the same time, I shouldn't be telling people what they shouldn't do. So. Yeah. And and I mean, Star Trek has always kind of been more of a something you can watch with your family. Right. And if you're like my mom and cower in the corner anytime you hear a swear word, uh, <laughs> it, it's it's gonna be it'll be a little shocking, but you know I I, I did I didn't have a problem with it. I thought it was fine. Well, the 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 TVMA is the warning right there. Exactly. Yep. You know if if you're not going to if you're the sort of person who really cares what those little letters are up in the upper left hand corner of the screen before the episode starts. Do some research. True. True. Yeah. Okay. So did anybody get a feeling when they saw Lorca being strapped to that chair? First, I, I, I kind of thought of the scene from Generations where Jordy was strapped to the chair. Mm-hmm. And yep. then when they started prying his eyes open, of course, I get the <laughs> clockwork orange <laughs> yep. feeling. Um, so, so that was, that was, that was a little strange, but, um, but then uh, we get we got some of Lorca's backstory when we, when he got back to the um, to his cell. Of of course, we talked about it a little bit before, where uh, he was captain of the Baron, and uh, they were ambushed by the Klingons, and he ended up blowing up the ship so that um, so that his crew wouldn't be taken prisoner. 
And there's got to be a lot more to that story. Yeah, I'm about to say, I feel like there's more to that story. <laughs> you know, my, my first thought was that uh, Lorca is just the, the kind of egomaniac who was like, uh, I'll, I'll save my crew that agony, but I'm too important to die with the ship. But th- that didn't quite ring true. I think there's, there's, uh, there's more to it. And and to me, it, that kind of rang out that, you know, Lorca, the, the way he views things, it seems, is very black and white when it comes to the to the Klingons. You know, they're the enemy. We're the good guys. And and that's it. And and there there's no way that, you know, he was going to let his crew fall in the hands of the enemy, even if they might survive. That's still not an option for him. Yeah. You noticed he seems to know an awful lot about the Klingons. That's true. Yeah. 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 The only thing that struck me strange about that scene was the fact that Mud knew so much about that story, but uh, the other guy had never heard it before. And he's in Starfleet. Yeah, I, I found that none, I found that curious. Because you and, think if something like that happens, then those rumors are going to get out. People are going to talk about that story. Did you hear about this captain that blew up his whole crew? Yeah. Well, you know, kind of stuff? No, I, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. But it, it's because there's lots of ways that they could make it fit better yeah. and that they may be building up to. But, it, it, yeah, I definitely noted um, that not so much that the that the other guy hadn't heard the story, but that Harry Mudd did know it. Yeah. And well, that's that's Mudd's deal is is knowing things. Yeah. <laughs> and he drinks that, and he knows things. That's what I was going <laughs> to say. You know, it's he he it's like he he digs up all this dirt on the Starfleet captains because, mm. you know, it's, you can tell he's not a fan of Starfleet. And right. so he kind of holds them in the back of his mind. So he maybe use it to blackmail, blackmail them later if he needs to. If you ever to, get or, captured by, if you ever get arrested by, you know, just kind of pull that one out. and Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and also he was working for Laurel. So she may have briefed him on Lorca cause they were targeting Lorca. Yeah, mm, that's, that's true. true. Okay. So, um, Stamets told Saru that he would follow his orders, and but he but he pulled the Michael Burnham instead <laughs> and disobeyed <laughs> orders. Well, he didn't. He didn't technically no, disobey he did, orders. He, he didn't technically. He didn't disobey orders. Yeah, he he just told him that he would get the he would get the drive right. running. But instead of hooking up the tardigrade to it, he hooked himself up to it, and they successfully made the jump. He injected himself with the tardigrade DNA compound, and was able to successfully make the ship spore drive activate and they got out of there so but i mean obviously that's not something he can do every week it'll kill him (laughs) yeah yeah. i i was honestly i was expecting him to be dead at the end of this episode i I thought that was going to kill him i would have been annoyed if if they're killing like a character per week i'm like come on yeah (laughs) yeah they're gonna have to start introducing some new ones before too long (laughs) But uh, but yeah, I mean, it was a, I, I thought that was a good uh, a good choice for his character to show because he you know he's got this air about him he's stuck up he think he he acts like he thinks he's better than everybody and to see him do something to sacrifice himself for a creature that he's not even sure is sentient you know uh, showed a lot about the character that they're trying to develop him into. And there was there was yeah. almost kind of a, a bait and switch because I I didn't know if it was going to be him or Michael that did it. I was expecting it to be Burnham myself. I was yeah, I'm I was rather I'm, surprised. I'm glad that it was him. I, I figured it'd be one of the two. 
It, it um, made more sense to be him. Yeah. Because the, the, this show, is, it seems, is, is big on foreshadowing. Because, like, the last episode, he's like, oh, he can talk to the... I'm, I'm jealous. I always wish I could talk to the fungus or whatever. I always, <laughs> I always wanted to talk to spores. And now he can. <laughs> Dreams come true, kids. So uh, we see we see Stamets and Culber. They're in their quarters. They're brushing their teeth, talking about how, how stupid what Stamets did was. And they uh, they turn around and walk out of the room. But Stamets' reflection is still standing there for a minute, and then it turns around and walks away. So when Stamets hooked himself up to the spore drive, did he open up a gateway to the mirror universe in some way? I hope not. I mean, there have been there have been rumors about the the, the mirrored universe. Well, Jonathan that Frakes, good, well, Jonathan Frakes well, said that they were going to do a mirror universe episode. Yeah, so. yeah. I'm hoping that's like a play on words that it's not the mirror universe episode, the mirror universe that uh, we have dealt with since since uh, Mirror Mirror, but All instead right. it's a mirror universe or it's something to do. I just, uh, I hate the mirror universe so much. And I know that's an unpopular opinion. I love the episode mirror, mirror, but the mirror universe just doesn't work. If you start like picking it apart, it just, the fact that all of these people are in the same place at the same time, yet they're so completely different. Doesn't work. Uh, I, I bought it in mirror, mirror, but every can, every, other mirror episode with the exception of what they did in enterprise because it it didn't matter uh it just it just never works for me so if if that's where they're going with it one it means that it's not gonna well it it shouldn't affect the main story which when you've only got 15 episodes i don't want to see anything that's not part of the real the main story I'm wondering if someone is going to cross over into the mirror universe or if someone from the mirror universe is going to cross over into the prime universe. I think that it's more likely that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. But, and my wife was uh, just standing behind me as I was talking about it. And she said, I didn't even realize that happened. The, the whole mirror uh, image thing. <laughs> she said, I was wondering why that shot was supposed to be so significant at the end of the show. <laughs> I just but, hope it's uh, something different. That's the I well, here's here's I don't think this will be the case, but here's the something different that I hope that it is. Um the spore drive and it just sounds nasty, actually. I'm not gonna call it that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the spore drive. The 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 um the fungal network, that sounds worse. Oh, I'm just gonna so I'll much just, better. <laughs> I go to spore drive. Anyway, the S drive. Yeah. <laughs> you're getting there. You're getting there. I'm getting there. We'll we'll stick with that one. Uh, <laughs> allows allows you know basically instantaneous travel across space, um, and we know that space is not just space. Space is space time. So, what if not only can access to this network allow travel through space, but also through time? Maybe even on a subconscious level. The tardigrade, I think we can presume, even if it is sentient. Um, well, you know, we can't presume, but let's just say that a human brain um, works at a higher level, or at least a different level than the tardigrade, and maybe has a l- larger grasp intellectually on something that for the tardigrade is instinct. Perhaps bouncing through time, or at least shifting through time, um, is an option that might be available now that. 
um, Stamets has access. So maybe it's it's not a mirror universe thing. Maybe it's just um, an after image that was a, a few seconds behind him, and maybe See, he'll I, maybe he'll become unstuck in time like a like a oh, uh, like a Vonnegut character. Yeah, I'm trying to remember <laughs> the name of the guy from Slaughterhouse Five, and I can't. Yeah, I can't either. What's coming up on It'll it'll come to me later. Yeah. You know what the what the thing that gets on my nerves about the mirror universe is, and is it's not the fact that the mirror universe exists. It's that, and I know it's because it's called the mirror universe, but everybody from our universe has a counterpart in the mirror universe. Doesn't make any sense to me because if they had the completely different history, then not all of those people's parents are going to have met each other and had babies, and so you're not necessarily going to have an exact counterpart to yourself <laughs> in that universe. It's just, it just doesn't, I mean, I mean, I know it made a good uh, science fiction story for the sixties, but by the time you got the deep space nine, <laughs> <laughs> it didn't really make a, it didn't really make a lot of, a lot of sense, but, and there's my point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and see when, when I was watching that, I guess you guys read it, read into it more than I did. I didn't even think about the mirror universe. I just thought that Stamets, you know, done screwed up his brain or something like, I, <laughs> yeah. I didn't even that didn't even occur to me that's but. another thing about that that's one of the things I, I do like about the show is that you can watch the show and if you don't look at any of the behind the scenes stuff you get something completely different than yeah. if you're paying attention to all this stuff and since we're doing this show we've read all this stuff we knew that stamets was was gay from the word go mm-hmm. but a lot of the audience didn't find out until last night which, you know, I'm kind of jealous yeah. <laughs> of some of those it's, people to, to, to just let it unfold in front of them like that. But that's why I don't so, do spoilers. Yeah. So the well, even, even though thing, I, you know, even when I knew it was coming, I, I didn't realize because I couldn't, I'm, I'm terrible at remembering names. I didn't realize at first that Stamets was quote unquote, the gay character we were with, you know, or one of the openly gay characters we were told was coming. And, after watching him and Culver in sickbay that time, somebody else told me, oh, that they're a couple. And I was like, oh, was this like before they got together? <laughs> it just, yeah, I, I'm yeah. stupid about stuff like that. So I, it, it, I love how they're doing it. They're doing it. This, this is the kind of stuff that, you know, eight years or six years ago, seven years ago on the Starbase, we talked about how, uh, homosexuals were portrayed in in genre fiction, and how Star Trek totally dropped the ball and and just didn't you know aside from a couple of you know very very false steps trying to they they just never dealt with this and but we didn't want to see you know flamboyant you know your classic stereotypical Super oh lispy. there's the the sassy gay character um, we just want people who happen to be gay and are members of this crew. And that's exactly what they're doing. And it's wonderful. Yeah, I totally buy them organic. as a couple, by the way. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. He, he, he is obnoxious, but that's, I've seen it. <laughs> right, yeah. I've seen that couple. That, that's real. It's real. I've seen that couple in heterosexual couples. Huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I actually may be in that relationship. And, <laughs> and to be honest, I'm probably, I'm probably the, uh, the butthole in that, <laughs> in that scenario. So. That's okay, really so, the only thing you can say at this point. So yeah, <laughs> there's no other way out of that. The, uh, the listener feedback segment, uh, had 
I actually made a Facebook group this week because I already had a Facebook page, but uh, Facebook groups are a lot easier for people to, for us to talk back and forth with people and uh, let listeners actually start threads that people can comment on. Because if they do that on a page, then you have to you have to click through to even see it. If you do it in a group, it just pops up on your newsfeed. So so I did that to, uh, this week. So fans of Simply Syndicated's Discovery After Show, if you want to go there on Facebook and join that group, you know, uh, go in there and talk about the podcast, talk about anything from the show, talk about anything from Star Trek past, whatever. And um, I posted on there. You know, what did you guys think of this week's episode? So uh, Carlos Carmona wrote, uh, I liked it. Seeing that list of captains gave me a geek out. Those F-bombs were a surprise. Didn't expect such colorful metaphors. Uh, <laughs> I, already, I already read what Alice Graham wrote. Uh, Brandon Ushio from the, uh, what's the name of his podcast, Troy? The, the Fandom Podcast. Yeah, the Fandom Podcast. Uh, I can't decide whether I like the roommate or not. She seems more like she fits the tone of the Orville than Discovery. (laughs) (laughs) And I I mean, yeah, I can see that. But um, scenes from next week that they showed on After Trek lead into uh, a couple of predictions that I have and some stuff that I read. So the scene that they showed from last week shows, uh, first of all, Michael Burnham. And Tilly go into the mess hall to talk oh, yeah. to Alex, and uh, they're wearing disco t-shirts. Those are the and, best shirts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm wondering what was going on there. Obviously, Tilly probably talked her into <clears throat> doing that. <laughs> but uh, I wonder, I wonder if that's like the the 24th century equivalent of like a toga party. Yeah, <laughs> a disco party. A disco t-shirt. Yeah. Yes, well, it's, <laughs> it's short for Discovery. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, all right. Is it is it really that simple? Yeah. Are, are you guys shitting me? <laughs> I was like, why are they wearing disco t-shirts? I, I totally just thought disco. <laughs> I feel like that you kind of ruined it, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were gonna have a disco party next week. What? <laughs> I was like, I want to see Michael Burnham let let her hair down. Yeah, really, disco. really. Uh, so. Um, we see Michael collapse in the mess hall. And the prediction that I have, and and, and I kind of saw some of this online, but is she having some kind of a psychic thing with Sarek? Because she grabs her side, and the but, Vulcan heart is on is on their side. Well, she's, so it's uh, almost she like she's grabbing her. Sarek, but she's on the floor. She says. Yeah, and she says Sarek, and she falls. And we know and, Sarek has heart problems. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, obviously he's not going to die because he's alive ten years later. But, uh, but yeah, so she's having—I think she's having some kind of a psychic connection with Sarek, and he's having a heart attack or having some kind of heart issue. So maybe we will see Sarek again. I, I don't know. We we kind of talked before that we might not see Sarek again. We know we're supposed to see Amanda, so maybe this is where she's going to come in. It'll be uh, at the at this point. Uh, another prediction. That the only other one that that I had myself was uh mirror universe stuff um also what if they figure out that the spore drive is what causes the barrier between the prime and the mirror universes to weaken and that's why they don't have spore drive in the future they'd also have to kind of cover up the fact that the mirror universe exists because kirk doesn't know about it (laughs) in mirror mirror um well go ahead 
Eh, yeah, never, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. The, 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 let me open up one one more little rabbit hole here. <clears throat> we don't know whether Kirk knows about it or not. Uh, you know, they certainly know that parallel universes are a, a, a thing that could be. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll have to see what exactly they do. Um, I, I've been something's been bugging me that I've I've seen a lot. Uh, after this episode, people are are fixating on Klingons don't take prisoners, and this is because in at the beginning of Wrath of Khan, when the when the Kobayashi Maru simulation is shut down, and Lieutenant Savick asks Admiral Kirk what what she should do, and he says uh, pray because the Klingons don't take prisoners. People have taken that to be absolute fact and are upset because this Klingon has been taking prisoners. Um, it's right up there with uh, uh, Vulcans Never Lie, which was... Uh, it, it <laughs> In the Enterprise incident, when the Kirk and Spock infiltrated a Romulan vessel to try to steal their cloaking device, at one point the Romulan commander, who is being seduced by Spock, says, is it true that Vulcans never lie? And Spock says, yes, it is. He was lying <laughs> at the time. And like, there's this whole thread of canon built around that. Or, you know, Mr. Scott, have you always magnified your, or uh, multiplied your, your repair estimates by a factor of four? Of course, sir. And then everyone says that Scotty always lies about how long it takes to fix shit. <laughs> well, he, well, he 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 said that next generation episode. That well, that's where it went to its logical, stupid conclusion. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, just because Kirk said Klingons don't take prisoners doesn't mean Klingons don't take prisoners. It just means that Kirk has never seen it happen. Just because, or, it's, or he was just saying that to a cadet to exactly. Um, uh, you know, I, I, there's been a lot of stuff that's come up. Sorry, I'm, I'm I'm on steroids right now, folks. For a cough, I apologize. <laughs> There's been a lot of stuff that's come up that people have been saying it's not canon because we didn't know about it before X, before TOS, and that's not necessarily true. It could be, but all we know for sure is that it never happened in the three uh, three seasons of TOS. So we don't know how much Starfleet knows about the mirror universe, if at all. We don't know if anyone else in Starfleet has ever seen a Tribble before the Trouble with Tribbles. Uh, You know, people were getting a a little bit out of shape about Lorca having a a Gorn skeleton in his menagerie room. Um, Spock knew a hell of a lot about the Gorn when they went to Cestus III. Just because the Enterprise and Kirk and Spock have never seen one doesn't mean no one else saw one uh, or had dealings with them. So... You know, we have seen, we like to say that we know Star Trek. We like to say that, you know, especially those of us that have watched every episode multiple times and we've analyzed it and studied it. But even if you take all 700 plus hours of Star Trek, that is still such a tiny fraction of what could have happened if this universe was real uh, in three freaking quadrants of the galaxy over a course of 150 years. So, you know, unless something is specifically stated, like, you know, Spock says in, in, uh, in uh, the Corbo might maneuver, um, no, not the Corbo might maneuver, balance of terror. No one in the Federation has seen a Romulan ever. 
That is a fact. Well, he said they haven't seen it in the last hundred years. Well, no, 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 no. They said no one has seen the face of a Romulan. All dealings with them was do- were done over audio. Oh, okay. Okay. That was, if if not totally accurate, was at least a fact as far as, you know, canon can go. Um, but then, you know, there's certainly plenty of ways around that. Yeah, so, section 31. <laughs> uh, that or, uh, you know... Um, you know, whoever saw them didn't wasn't able to file. Well, away. and, yeah. and here's the thing: if if no one has seen you, then they may have seen you and just not known it. Exactly, exactly. So, and you know, again, I'm the biggest continuity snob that well, not the biggest, but I'm 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 one of those guys <laughs> that will sit and argue about that wasn't a D7 ship. You've heard me do that on this show, and and I'm saying lighten up, people. Yeah. <laughs> just unclench. <laughs> Well, I, I put I'm I'm I put this in my notes, and I wasn't gonna say anything, but since you brought it up, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, you know, I don't know what the reaction to this will be, if anybody even cares what I think, but I've decided that the concept of canon is bullshit. It's it's it's, it's dumb. It's ridiculous because, as I said, I, I, I was like, oh, Harry Mudd. Let me watch the Harry Mudd episodes, and so I watched the Harry Mudd episodes, and I watched a couple of other original. Trek episodes and they just change shit. They just change it because, oh, this is a better idea. Oh, this is a better plot. Um, oh, that actor didn't work out. Whatever. They just change it. And here's here's my here's my big worldview thing. And I'm not gonna go into the whole thing, but I'll make it quick. Storytelling is as old as the hills and it is an oral tradition. I would tell a story around my campfire. The person at the sto- person who heard it would go to the next village over, and they would tell a story. And they'd embellish this, and they changed that because they thought it made it better. Or they'd add this name because that's more familiar to the people that they're with. Stories change. Stories have always changed. The only difference now is – this is why everybody's mad at George Lucas. <laughs> the, only, <laughs> the only difference now is people recorded it. So I can look back and say, okay, well, that's not how you told the story the first time. Which was never an issue ever. That's why there's you know two dozen different versions of the same fairy tale, and they're all fine because that's just how stories go. The only difference is tape and audio and video. So the idea of hanging some gold medal on this version of the story because that's the one that happened to get recorded that time is dumb. And I hereby forswear the concept. <laughs> I hereby forswear the concept of canon. Because all in favor, say aye. <laughs> just me. That's fine. I'm fine with it. <laughs> yeah, all right. I, it's, yeah. All right. I think that's a good place to stop because, uh, well, for one thing, I think High Chan is waiting on us to. <laughs> We're going to be recording a, a, a short episode of Cosmic Potato here in a few minutes, so. Uh, I'm going to wrap this up. I want to remind the listeners of something. Our feedback contest is still in effect. So if you go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review, then your name is going to go into a drawing. And at the end of season one of Discovery, we're going to draw a name and uh, someone's going to win a copy of David Mack's Discovery tie-in novel, Desperate Hours. So go to iTunes, look up Split Syndicated Discovery After Show, leave us a five-star review. Because that kind of thing goes a long way towards helping us uh, gain some notoriety on iTunes. And uh, we have a, we have a Facebook page, as I said. I also created the the fans of Simply Syndicated Discovery After Show group. You can join that. 
uh, chat with us about what you heard here on the show. Tell us what you think about uh, your predictions for Discovery, what you thought about last night's episode. And if you don't want to write us, uh, you can leave us a voicemail. So you can dial area code 205-642-8380. Area code 205-642-8380. Leave us a voicemail or a text <laughs> message. And uh, <laughs> John, didn't you say you tried to you tried to get to spell something and it I, didn't really work out for you? <laughs> um, I did. I said, let me let me let me try to find what the hell. I don't about. have it in front of me, or I was. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll find it. I'll find it. Your long distance or messaging rates may apply. So, uh, and don't forget if you want to hear us talk about some stuff other than Star Trek, you can check out our other show, Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk podcast. It's on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, as well as uh, the website CosmicPotato.com. And um, you know, I found out last week that uh, this podcast, the Discovery After Show, is the most downloaded Discovery podcast on SoundCloud right now. So uh nice. So that's pretty cool. that's pretty cool. Uh, John, did you find it? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like uh Yeah, he tried to get it he tried to get the phone number to spell something and there was, was there was like there was like two that kinda sort of spell something if you take the zero as an O. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but uh okay, so um John, thanks for being here. Yeah, it's gonna bug me now. <laughs> it's like uh, Bobo hate. Oh, Bobo hate TOS. <laughs> oh man! That's All right. If the first, Troy, the, last, uh, the first and last O is a zero, Bobo hate TOS. <laughs> Dang you, Bobo! Troy, you want to tell us about uh, World War G? Yeah. Um. If you want to listen to all of our episodes, uh, you know we we it's a geek podcast, so we talk about like Cosmic Potato, talk about movies and comics and and uh, TV shows and video games. Um, you can check us out at worldwarg.podbean.com. Uh, we're also on iTunes and the Google Play Store. Just search World War G. And you've got the Celebrity Tans YouTube channel too, right? Yes. Yeah, that's uh, just a little side project I do. Um, it's just 10 unknown facts um, about uh, celebrities. And I've done – I have done Patrick Stewart, so you can oh. go check that out. Oh, Patrick Stewart is going to be on the Orville. Did you guys hear that? We'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> talk about that later. Rick, thanks for being here. My pleasure. Glad I could finally get it back, get back to the show. <laughs> and, and I mean, to be honest, last week last week was my fault because you had told me that you were going to be doing something. We did the show earlier than normal, and uh, you had told me you were going to be doing something, and we had arranged for that. But then uh, I forgot, completely forgot about <laughs> it when when Richard said he could be on. He has to come on earlier because he's so far ahead uh, in his time zone. So that was my screw up. Nah, but, it's always good to get rich on the show, so yeah, don't, good don't sweat. <laughs> well, thank you. And, <laughs> but that, that'll that do it for this week. Next week, we'll be talking about episode six, which is titled Lethe. Uh, our guest on the podcast will be uh, Scott Madison will be coming back. And uh, Star Trek novelist Michael Jan Friedman is scheduled Whoa. to be here. Nice. So uh, so join us next week. and I'll have to wear pants you. for that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's not we'll canon. See you next week, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for Simply Syndicated's Discovery After Show. 
Your feedback is welcome. Leave us a comment and review on iTunes or follow us on Facebook. The views and opinions stated on this program are those of the hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of Simply Syndicated, CBS, Paramount Pictures, or their sponsors. Star Trek Discovery is owned by CBS and has no affiliation with Simply Syndicated or this podcast. No infringement of copyrighted material is intended. Be sure to join us again next week as we analyze another episode of Star Trek Discovery here on Simply Syndicated's Discovery After Show.